Welcome to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. I'm Paul Sweeney, alongside my co-host, Matt Miller. Every business day, we bring you interviews from CEOs, market pros, and Bloomberg experts, along with essential market-moving news. Find the Bloomberg Markets Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Today is a big day. Obviously, Fed a day today. It looks like the Fed is about to give us some more color on how it intends to uh, look at the interest rate structure out there, i.e. raising rates. And that's going to be some, that's a new environment for a lot of investors out there. So let's see how financial advisors are talking to their clients about that. Katarina Simonetti, Senior Vice President, Private Wealth Advisor for Morgan Stanley joins us. Katarina, thanks so much for taking the time here. I'm guessing some of your investors really don't have, your clients, I, I mean, don't have a lot of experience investing in a rising interest rate environment. What are you telling them these days? Matt, thank you for having me on. Um, I think it's no surprise to them that the rates are going up. Fed has done a pretty good job setting expectations. And look, you know, interest rates are going to be going up, and there is zero reason why they shouldn't be. Um, they really should not be as low as they are right now. And yet there is this perceived fear that when the rates are going to be going up, the market somehow is going to fall apart. It is not necessarily the case. Rates should be going up, and we're preparing our clients and we're preparing the investors for strategically positioning the portfolio in light of the raising rates. So uh, what do you do with someone who's, you know, looking to retire in the next decade or, or two and is worried about putting new cash into the market at these high valuations and obviously also into bonds when rates are rising? Well, Matt, it's not just the rates themselves. It's also the inflation. I think that the key of how challenging this environment is, is that we've never had the inflationary period with rates this low. And specifically for the in the retirees, the people that are about to start their retirement and are going to be losing their active income and switching into more of a passive situation, you know, the key is to focus on quality. And, you know, when we look at strategic positioning of the portfolios and specifically at certain sectors that you know, are a little bit stronger, a little bit more defensive in light of all the challenges that this market presents. Our focus is on quality and on larger positions, large cap, for example, but not just like large cap growth or large cap value, but on defensive positions. Specifically, you know, we're looking very closely at each investment and make sure that the companies that we invest in have the earning stability reasonable valuations that we're not overpaying for them and most importantly companies with enough pricing power to perform well during this very challenging environment because while we actually are quite positive of the market there is growth in the u.s you know that is still strong that is still going to continue it's going to be a bumpy ride and that's what presents so many challenges and we're preparing investors for it so katarina you know there's i guess a little bit of a push and pull out there from some investors who really since the great financial crisis, have really been successfully invested in the, the big growth names that have really driven this market, whether it's an Apple or an Amazon or, or, or Facebook or something like that, to what's really been a good trade over the last 18 to 20 months, which is a more of a, uh, a cyclical trade, if you will, um, maybe even you know betting a little bit on the reopening of the global economy. Where are you suggesting uh, your clients uh, think about for 2022? Well, I think it's 
it's all about the balance, right? And it's all about being very thoughtful about the portfolio design. And when we look at the 2022 and analyze this amazing growth that we have seen uh, in the market recently, the especially the year end is generally the good time to kind of just, just analyze what happened. And this is a perfect time for strategic profit thinking because there are some areas, for example, that we're used to seeing that are extremely aggressive, that perform pretty well, uh, but they are, in fact, you know, showing some some stability and showing some price uh, resilience, and they definitely have you know role in the portfolio. But this is a good time to rebalance, to go back to the drawing board, to make sure that all the sectors are properly represented, and some sectors that have that positioning into the into light of what's happening with the economy, sectors like financials, like healthcare, um, inflationary hedges. Uh, such commodities and REITs, for example, we want to make sure that we overweight into the sectors that are either positioned well in light of the rising rates or present to be good inflationary hedges or like healthcare, you know, the, the, um, the, this, this healthcare crisis that we're experiencing, you know, the, the situation with the pandemic that, you know, is still going on. And, you know, as much as progress our healthcare companies and, you know, our just healthcare communities making, this is still something that is going to be lingering with us for many years to come. So when we look at this positioning of the portfolios, whether it's fixed income, whether it's equity, we need to take inflation into consideration, the resilience quality, and make sure that the portfolio is strong enough to get us through this period of volatility that is not over yet. We still have a lot of challenges out there. Katerina, thank you so much for joining us. Love getting your perspective here as you talk to uh, and counsel your clients. Katerina Simonetti, she's a senior vice president private wealth advisor for Morgan Stanley here, like the rest of us, waiting to see what we will hear from our Federal Reserve this afternoon at 2 p.m. Wall Street time and, and how that will impact markets going forward and how investors should be allocating their capital. Katarina uh, deals with uh, her Morgan Stanley clients, and I'm sure they have lots of questions. And so we appreciate getting some time from Katarina. We have red on the screen here. Not much to speak about. S&P off about, yeah, about three-tenths of 1%. All right, we have a pretty great guest for you right now. Sam Sidhu is president and CEO of Customers Bank, and they've had a pretty good pandemic. Sam, looking at your, your stock price, you've gone from 20 bucks basically a share at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, to 60 bucks a share basically now. And I see that some analysts are even raising your price target uh, uh, to, to $75. Wedbush, for example, we talked to Dan Ives um, from Wedbush a lot. Um, and uh, B. Riley has your price target raised to $100. So expecting a lot from customers. Walk us through what makes customers different than other banks. Sure, absolutely. Well, Matt and Paul, thanks so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate that, that introduction. Uh, you know, Customers Bank uh, entered the pandemic as a tech-forward organic grower. And I think that's really one of the big things that differentiates us. So in the banking industry, there's not so much to differentiate yourselves on in a reasonably commoditized business. So service and technology are big portions of that. So we started off in, the, in, in March and April of last year by being a big player in the Paycheck Protection Program. And that really helped allow us to uh, deliver uh, 300,000 plus loans, uh, $10 billion of PPP funds out. We also earned origination fee 
which really allowed us to build some capital and support the future growth of the organization. So being that sort of tech forward, organic grower um, with a, a very a strong digital focus is what uh, is uh, is really what, what Customers Bank is today. Sam, what are your clients doing these days? They've just gone through, you know, almost two years of unprecedented disruption to their businesses. Just give us an overall sense of how they're faring. Are they are they trying to come back? Are they trying to invest in their business? Are they trying to expand? Or are they still cautious? Absolutely. So I think that uh, there's obviously been a little bit of a change in stance. We'll wait and see what happens with the Fed uh, later today. Um, but uh, earlier this year, there was a, a strong sense of confidence uh, emerging inflation. I think that that concern has turned into a little bit more of a, of a little bit of a reality um, uh, sitting where we are today. But overall, uh, the macroeconomic uh, backdrop is strong. There are challenges with supply chain. There are challenges with concerns about labor uh, and inflation. Uh, but generally, uh, the, the sentiment is, is still positive, and I think that's the, that's the important thing. We've survived uh, as an economy the, the pandemic, and we, you know, while there, there arguably could have been too much stimulus that's leading to potential non-transitory uh, inflation, I think at the end of the day it's, it's difficult to, um, to Monday morning quarterback with certainty. I just want to paint a picture for for listeners of where you're coming from because you have a pretty impressive resume. Undergrad at Wharton, MBA from Harvard. You worked at Providence Equity Partners as well as Goldman Sachs. You've done uh, real estate-focused private equity. You've done blockchain-based real payment services. Um, What do you think, with all of this experience in, in finance and on Wall Street, what do you think of something like DeFi? So uh, I like to firstly say my resume uh, makes me seem a lot stronger uh, than I am, but nonetheless, <laughs> uh, that's that's how my friends. That's very about humble it. of you. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but I think DeFi is really a reaction to uh, to where we are from number one, the emergence of blockchain, because that's really the ledger and the and the platform upon which and the infrastructure upon which this decentralized finance concept is uh, is going to be established. I think you know generally, as you think about. If DeFi is successful in the way that the folks that are that are um, emerging as as important players and platforms uh, from a decentralized finance perspective, arguably centralized finance fee structures uh, methodologies uh, would would change, um, and you may see a reversion back to uh, a different way of doing business through traditional forms, which are working extremely well. By the way, but, Sam, uh, that, that's I why I asked. You know, yesterday I talked to Mike Novogratz. He's got a new office um, down by Goldman Sachs, and, and he was most pumped about that. And it just makes me wonder um, what the future of Wall Street looks like. How do you see it? You know, um, at Customers Bank, we, we like to think of this hybrid approach of human-based experience bankers plus technology in a commercial banking sense is the right, is the right hybrid uh, way to approach uh, the market today. I think similarly, from an investment banking perspective, you're going to see very similar trends. There's always going to need be a need for, for uh, customized advice, for specific advice, and for bespoke um, type transactions and service and handholding. And it's going to be difficult to completely, um, you know, uh, change the way that that many businesses need to operate, given the uh, the, the fact that, that that there's a lot of businesses that that have disparate needs and not everything is homogenized. 
All right. Never enough time, Sam, but always great talking to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Sam Sidhu there is president and CEO of Customers Bank. Check out the stock. The ticker is C-U-B-I, trades on the New York Stock Exchange. All right. It is Fed Day today. Um, the question is, how are investors positioning their portfolios for what is likely to be a rising interest rate environment? Let's check in with Brian Smolak. Chief Investment Officer of Hood River Capital Management. Brian, thanks so much for joining us once again. You guys at Hood River, you focus on small cap growth stocks. Give us a sense of how you think small caps are going to perform in 2022 and what's going to be a different interest rate environment? So we're constructive on small caps from here, especially after this 10% pullback or so we've seen in small caps since Omicron broke and talks of a Fed taper have really heated up here. Uh, valuations have pulled back pretty significantly to where now small cap trades at an absolute PE discount on 2022 earnings versus the S&P. Usually it's at a premium. The market does have to thread the needle here over the next couple months with rising rates and Omicron, which could kind of put a pause on recovery while rates are going up. But after that, we think that earnings estimates need to move up and uh, the economy will recover and you want to own stocks and small cap stocks will move up with those earnings revisions. Specifically at Hood River, we're looking for a dislocation in of the market fundamentals for that particular company versus what the street's expecting. And we're optimistic going to be able to find plenty of those opportunities in 2022. So do you expect um, a big dip, a correction? Is there, is there an opportunity for investors to buy? So, yeah, I mean, I think we're kind of looking at it here. There's going to be continued choppiness over the next month or so. Uh, you'll probably see a spike in Omicron cases, crowd, crowding out Delta. But thus far, the disease looks to be more mild than Delta. We're probably going to have a vaccine ready in the next 90 to 100 days, and people are going to start to look through that. Uh, the Fed doesn't have much room to raise rates, it looks like, without inverting the curve. Uh, but it, the market's basically saying that it's transitory, and that's how we're thinking about it. What are some of the sectors that you think investors should be looking at uh, in their portfolios in 2022, again, given what looks like to be, a, at least for some period of time, a rising interest rate environment? So we're overweight, and we've been overweight for the last nine months or so, cyclical names. So that would include financials, industrials, consumer stocks, and then also some semi-stocks. Uh, valuation is more important in a rising rate environment, particularly in small cap growth. Um, so you want to own names that are cheaper on traditional valuation metrics like price to earnings. A lot of growth investors tend to look at enterprise value to revenues and and when you have to discount the terminal value out more uh, that can make those stocks riskier so that's why you've seen software names for example pull back a lot and biotech pull back a lot in this environment because in rising rates environments it's tougher on those valuations what do you expect to hear from jerome powell today do you think we'll get any surprises or does he telegraph everything pretty well he tends to telegraph everything pretty well at Hood river we're not exactly uh, Fed watching experts were focusing on bottoms up stock picking and fundamentals there, but but my sense is that he's he's had a good track record there, and and they'll just announce an accelerated taper, which I think is what the market's expecting. 
is there a risk in your mind uh, as you listen to and, and read Fed Chairman Powell's comments over the last several months that perhaps he feels he's a little bit behind the curve and maybe needs to catch up and maybe maybe more aggressive than the market's discounting? I think that's for sure a risk. He basically acknowledged the fact that he had to take the word transitory out of their vocabulary. And when you talk to companies, that's what we're doing every quarter. We're talking to 400 companies every quarter. They're seeing real inflation that they have to handle day to day, and there's no guarantee that that is transitory. So it's not responsible for the Fed to handle it that way, and they're going to have to make some adjustments and, and see, how, see how it plays all right, Brian, great having you on the program. Thanks very much for joining us. Another Harvard MBA, by the way. But I would say, more importantly, a University of Virginia undergrad. He's a Wahoo, but but he's also a fellow alum of Salmon Brothers, like me. Wow. Yeah. The Solly team. All right, yeah. excellent. Brian Smolik is the chief investment officer at Hood River Capital Management, talking to us in Portland That's about nice. the future uh, of growth and markets. Enough of this tri-state area stuff. Let's yeah, get over so to the West Coast. Branch out a little bit. Dan Genter joins us, CEO of RNC, Genter Capital Management, to talk about his expectations for um, the Fed, the uh, markets, and the economy. Dan, we had a very strong PPI number, 9.6%, um, 9.7%, uh, I think, after a huge CPI number, 6.8% last week. Is this going to push... Jerome Powell to uh, be faster with his taper? Well, I think he's in a position that he just can't ignore it. I mean, they, they took a uh, early position that inflation was going to be transitory. I think that they're frankly being honest that that's what they thought. They didn't really know how things were going to flesh out. But now with the CPI number, as you mentioned, at 6.8, with PPI at 9.6, you, you know, we don't have the new PCE number which is one of their main things that they look at, the personal consumption expenditure index, but that was 5% in October. So we're, no matter how you look at it, we're running double to triple really where they'd like to be at 2 to 3%. So I don't, I don't know how you ignore it. I think it's, uh, it's a matter of what do you do about it. And, uh, you know, the tools are they're, you, know, you, you finish out the taper even faster. You obviously start to raise Fed funds, and we don't, you know, certainly don't think, along with everyone else, that we're going to see an increase in rates at this meeting. But, you know, you're, you look, you're putting some odds on the table now. You could see something as early as the first quarter of 2022, or certainly by the second quarter, and up until recently, 2022 was off the table. So things are changing. Dan, things are changing, as you mentioned here. How do your clients, how are you p positioning your portfolio for what's likely to be, you know, a rising interest rate environment for the foreseeable future? Well, I think on the equity market, there's really not much of a change. When you, when you look at it historically of what you're likely to see out of this Fed, I mean, no, when you look at it historically, typically when there's a major reversal of policy, you normally see 50 basis points initially, then 25, 25, 25, 25. And the same thing when they start lowering rates. It's very, very similar. Uh, I don't think you're going to see anything more aggressive here. As a matter of fact, you might even are much more likely you're just going to see a, a well-telegraphed 25 basis points increase, and they'll do that very steadily. Now, with that, if you look at it again historically from the standpoint of Fed policy, is that 
PEs generally don't change much. You know, what they were at six months before the Fed started to raise and where they are six months after, basically that 12-month window, PEs stay about the same. So I think the equity market, you know, we're, we're, you know it'll certainly start to bias more of the value stocks. It's going to bias more of the cyclical stocks. You know, we're, we've already begun tilting more in that direction. You know, the bond market's a different matter altogether. I mean, you're, you're going to have to be very active in what you're doing in the bond market, you know, as the, as the yield curve's already shifted. What do you expect in terms of hikes? I mean, you said you don't expect this meeting. I don't think anyone does. But um, is the dot plot going to show two this year? Is there a possibility for a hawkish surprise? Look, it's always there. And I think that the, the good thing about Jerome Powell is he's, you know, it's not like dealing with green, you know, green speak. I mean, he telegraphs it right out in front. Everything's 2020. I think he's going to give the market a lot of indication uh, to some degree, frankly, you know, the market may even breathe a sigh of relief when we have that, you know, because the market will take good news, bad news. It just doesn't like no news. And so this this unknown limbo right now is making people nervous. So, you know, I doubt that we're going to see something that's going to surprise the market. But him well telegraphing in advance that they're going to start with a 25 basis points increase in Fed funds, you know, I think is what we're going to see. So, Dan, all right, that's the Fed. And again, we're going to get a lot more information later on today. The other aspect or one of the other aspects that the market tends to focus on is, is kind of what's coming out of Washington, D.C. Um, how important is that to you, to this market? Or do you think the market, again, is pricing in some kind of build back better, but there's other things to focus on? Well, I think the market is definitely pricing it in, and the, the build back better. We're, look, we're going to have something. Now, whether it's a $2 trillion number or or a $2 trillion, that really is $4.2 trillion uh, when you take the time limits off. I mean, we're, we're going to have something that's going to come out of that. They're going to make some kind of a deal. Uh, but, but now I don't think you're going to see anything very radical, and, and the reason being is that the, the Democrats right now are in trouble. Look, the way the numbers stack up now with redistricting, they're going to lose the House in 2022. And so you have a lot of people that are midstream that – you know they're they're just not going to go hardcore against radical democratic policy because they don't want to they don't want to get washed out. So I'm not expecting anything dramatic. You know we we probably the biggest thing the market will be concerned about and that's waning is is significant tax increases. But I mean that that's frankly it's really dropping off. You're just you know that that's going down to a whisper right now. So we don't think right now barring something unforeseen which can always happen uh, there's going to be a dramatic change change in policy that'll have a significant impact. All right. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, Dan. Always great talking to you. Dan Genter uh, there, who is the CEO as well as the CIO and the chairman of RNC. Genter yeah, Capital got it all Management. I love I mean, a lot of people have a lot of titles um, and I always wonder what else. What, what else is he hiding? <laughs> exactly. Based in the based in Los Angeles. So we get, get getting away from the metro area. So it, um, I think it's great, by the way, to have a diversity of views, because if you just sure. stick in the Wall Street bubble or just in the tri-state area, if we include, you know, Wall Street, Greenwich and Summit, um, <laughs> you don't get uh, the viewpoint from the le from the, the left coast. I'm not necessarily the left, obviously. And, and it's key, I think, to get. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Markets Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to interviews at Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Matt Miller. I'm on Twitter at MattMiller1973. And I'm Paul Sweeney. I'm on Twitter at PT Sweeney. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide at Bloomberg Radio.